passage today is from Luke 10, um, verses 38 to 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Thank you, Anna, very much. Now, Luke chapters 9 to 19, following the cross-bound Christ. That's our major focus on Sundays, half nine, half eleven, and in our small groups this year, following the cross-bound Christ, Luke 9 through 19. The immediate context, Jesus is the cross-bound King. We saw that in Luke 9, 9, 51 to 56. Then following him in his mission is costly. And then what that mission is, he commissions us into his mission, which is speaking the gospel, the good news of forgiveness of sins through his death that we might be justified before God, declared righteous, and therefore reconciled to God at peace with him forever. So Jesus is the crossbound king. Following him in his mission is costly. What is that mission? We as a church, a local church, many of you as part of the CU here in the city, are called into his mission, which is speaking the gospel of peace with God through Jesus Christ, who died that our sins might be forgiven. And last week, we learned a really important lesson as we head out in mission. Remember that no one can justify themselves. No one can get right with God by who they are or what they do. Now, if you just pause and think, okay, Jesus is calling us into his mission. He's calling us as a church, he's calling you as CUs in the city to go out with that message. How on earth are we going to do that? Surely people won't listen. Well, we all did. That's an encouragement. Well, many of us did. What Luke gives us now is exactly what we need. We're daunted by what we are asked to do. And Luke wants us just to slow down, and he doesn't even want us to think about doing anything until he teaches us about depending on God. And he does that in three ways. The passage that Anna read that we'll look at this morning, depending on God by listening to Jesus' teaching. Then next Sunday, we'll look at 11, 1 to 4, depending on God by praying to the Father. And then 11, 5 to 13, also next Sunday, depending on God through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me just repeat that. Depending on God, as we think about mission, as we engage in His mission, 
And just as we live the Christian life, depending on God by listening to Jesus' teaching, by praying to God the Father through the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see what's going on here? Dependence on God, Father, Son, and Spirit, wholly depending on all of God. We cannot follow Jesus in our own strength. Every day we depend on God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, we're going to sing a great hymn uh, later on. My every need He richly will supply, nor will His mercy ever let me die. The oldies in this room, of which I am not one, I'm a middley. The oldies in this room who have been Christians for many years can testify to the truth of these words. My every need He richly will supply, nor will His mercy ever let me die. In Him there dwells a treasure all divine. Matchless grace has made that treasure mine. Oftentimes, it is when we look back that we realized we could depend on God. What Luke wants us to do is as we look forward to depend on God as our habitual way of living. To depend on God is, as one writer puts it, to lean into the grace of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's a good image, leaning into God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's like a wind at your back, leaning back into that wind that carries you. Now, we have learned as a church that we can depend on God. We have seen God provide what we need again and again. We have seen that again today in the provision of that building down the road. Those of us who have been here longer have seen that kind of thing happen many times. He has provided funds. He has provided people to serve. And He has provided us with one another, which is the most precious thing, a church family. None of it has happened without God. And as we embrace what He has provided and use it in His mission and tell the good news of salvation, we need to depend on God. For mission and just for Monday morning too. So for mission and for Mondays, work, study, stuff, life. What does dependence on God mean? Today, we'll look at the first answer to that. It means listening to Jesus' teaching. Let's read the setting again. It was a tiny short reading. It's good for us to have a short passage. Verse 38, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her into her house, and she had a sister called Mary. Mar Mary and Martha are followers of Jesus. Luke's word at this stage for follower is someone who receives or welcomes Jesus. They are sisters. They are sisters of Lazarus. This is a family that Jesus loved. 
John's Gospel records these words, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. The most uh, famous account, if you like, of this family is how Jesus, who loved this family, came to Mary and Martha as they mourned the death of Lazarus. And Jesus wept over Lazarus' tomb and called Lazarus out of his tomb. Extraordinary events. Jesus loved this family and they loved him. Luke records 948, the Son of Man, Jesus had nowhere to lay his head, and he didn't. He had nowhere to lay his head at night. His home is in heaven, not here. But if there was anywhere on earth that came close to somewhere where the Son of Man could lay his head at night, it was this house in Bethany. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It is a home, it is a family that would figure prominently in the Passion Week, the events of the Passion Week. It is in this home that Jesus stayed with his disciples. It is in this home that Mary, the same Mary who is sitting at Jesus' feet here, smashed that alabaster jar of ointment and poured that expensive perfume over Jesus' feet and washed his feet with her hair. Here she is, sitting at the feet of Jesus, feet, listening. And there she is, washing his feet with her hair in devotion. Now, what's the application of here's a family that Jesus loved and that loved him? I think a really pertinent application is a, is a local church where there is real love for Jesus. And I want to say to you that I love Jesus. I'm not ashamed of saying that. And I think you would all say the same. And if we were another part of the world, you would all say the same out loud. But we're not in another part of the world, are we? We're in Scotland. Barely a flicker of the eye. Barely a raising of the eyebrow. Yes, we love Jesus. And he loves us. He loves us, charmers. We love him. And I want us to see this domestic setting here as a little bit like a, a picture of, of a church. And a local church has Jesus in its midst. He is the king and head of this church. He is here in his spirit every Sunday, every small group. All of the time he is with us. And a local church has Mary's and has Martha's. And let's just front up to the fact that we are all Mary's and Martha's at different times. We are all at times found at the feet of Jesus listening to his word. And we are all like Martha at times so busy with serving and other things that we are distracted from listening to Jesus' words. There's a Mary and a Martha in every one of us. That sounds like a kind of classic preacher line, doesn't it? There's a Mary and Martha in every one of us. So uh, listen, this is about us. But it's true, isn't it? It's just true. Who here has not been distracted by other voices in life from listening to Jesus? Certainly not me. Now let's look at Mary, her example we are to follow. And if this describes your life, well, be encouraged and don't be dissuaded from doing this. 
She, she had a sister, Martha, verse 39, called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is a posture of dependence. Listening is not the same as simply hearing. Now, this point was uh, extremely easy to make in service one, which was full of parents with little children. Here's the line. Instruction given from parent to child. Nothing happens. Instruction given again. Nothing happens apart from some evidence of disobedience. Comment from parent, you're not listening to me, are you? You might be hearing you, but not listening. And that's as true for us as adults. What are we listening to? What are we really listening to in the sense what affects us, shapes us, molds our thinking, changes us? What is it that we listen to that we never forget? This is the one thing that is necessary, Jesus says, verse 32. Mary has chosen the good portion, listening to Jesus' words. Why is this the one thing that is necessary? Well, sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his teaching, because the impact endures. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. If we make a priority of listening to the words of Jesus, it will not be taken away from us. It will not be swept away. It will not be removed. It will last. So here's an example of that. As a whole church family, we study Luke chapters 9 to 19. And say we all pray and we work hard and we don't simply hear it, we listen to it. And it affects us and it molds us individually and corporately. And at the end of that year, we are much more motivated, encouraged, strengthened, enabled in mission. There are a lot more people speaking the gospel, a lot more people reading the Bible with people, and that will never leave us. It'll never leave us. When you spend a whole term in Romans, or a whole year as we did last year, and you really get stuck into the wonderful promises, say in Romans chapter 8, that will never, ever leave you. It'll never leave you sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching because the impact endures. Second, sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his teaching because of who he is. I suspect we all follow, even I follow Twitter. Two golfers. Yeah, it's not a lot, but I do. We all follow who do we listen to, though, in life? Who do we listen to? Well, who is Jesus? Jay used these words. A voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. So just shut your eyes and think of the Lord Jesus. Picture him in your minds at his transfiguration in his majesty, radiant, the king of glory before the cross, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And God says, this is my son. This is the eternal king. This is the long-promised Messiah. I love him. What does God say? Listen to him. 
So which voice is getting through in your life, in my life? Who are we listening to? It's Jesus, the King of Kings. Listen to him because of who he is. Listen to him because of how privileged we are to know him. Here's Luke 10, 24. I tell you, there are many prophets and kings desiring to see what you see and did not see and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. How privileged we are to listen to Jesus. Sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him and his teaching so that when the storms come, we will not be shaken but stand firm. Turn back in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, verses 47 to 49. Luke 6, 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundations on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Many of you are in the formative years of life. As you start out in university life, build your life on strong rocks. How do you do that? By listening to Jesus' word. By creating the context in these early weeks and months and years of university and life that you will listen to the Lord Jesus, that you will not be distracted from listening to His voice, for storms will come. The storm judgment day will come. And if we listen to Jesus, we are building a strong life that will stand fast in the storms. Sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to His teaching so that we bear fruit with patience. Here's Luke 8, 15. As for that seed sown in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. What a wonderful picture that is of a Christian humbly and sincerely coming on a Sunday and to their small group, holding fast to the word from Jesus in an honest and good heart and bearing fruit with patience patience, willing to accept that it takes time for us to change and bear fruit. And a couple more sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to His teaching because of who we are. My mother and my brothers, Jesus said, Luke 8, 21, are those who hear the Word of God and do it. As we listen to Jesus, we listen to our brother. As we listen to Jesus and reflect on His Word, we are reminded that we are part of the family of God. And then lastly, this is just the stuff around our passage about the benefits of listening to Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to His teaching so that we will know blessing. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, but He said, blessed are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. Notice that relationship between hearing and keeping. Mary has chosen well. It will not be taken away from her. And remember when we listen to Jesus 
listen to his word. That word comes to us with a supernatural agency and power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is able to take that word and as the hymn goes, plant it deep within us. Etch it on our hearts. Write it on our minds. Cause it to affect our consciousness. Cause it to affect our emotions. Well up in us love for the one whose words we hear. And so Luke gives us many reasons, and there are many more in Scripture, for why we need to sit at the feet of Jesus. But in the context of Luke, the big point is because we need to depend absolutely on Him. Our dependence is wholly on Him. Let me illustrate that with the obvious point at the moment, the provision of that building, which is remarkable. And we need to keep acknowledging that and thank God for it. Was it foolhardy for us as elders to pray for that kind of provision? I mean, in some ways it was, wasn't it? It's very unlikely. But we felt very strongly that we couldn't and shouldn't leave this area. And I think that's just a good illustration of depending on God. And what caused us to not flinch, at least not often? Because we're real, aren't we? And there were times like Martha that we were so distracted by all the complexities and the questions. What caused us to keep steady? That week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, we sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his words. And you begin to believe them and trust him. Trust him when he says, look, don't worry, don't fret about stuff like where you're going to live as a church. We often think these words of the Lord Jesus, don't worry about the homes or what you're going to wear and stuff individually, but I think there's a great corporate application. Don't worry about where you're going to live. God says, I know where you're going to live. What makes you depend is listening to Jesus' words. Martha, are we not so like her? I mean, I am like Martha. What a brilliant description, verse 40 is, of how my life as a Christian minister is much of the time. Martha was distracted with much serving. Somebody once said to me, never ever become more devoted to the work of the Lord than to the Lord himself. Never ever become so distracted with much serving that you cannot listen or be served. Distracted means being drawn away. We'll come to with much serving in a minute. But what in life distracts us from listening to Jesus? Let me reel them off. You can think and talk about them in your small groups. What about being distracted by the pressures of life? What about being distracted by other priorities in life? What about being distracted by ambition? What about being distracted by the pleasures of life? 
Let me apply that in a very practical way. It's great to take advantage of Scotland's wonderful terrain at weekends, but not every weekend. Otherwise, we're not going to listen to Jesus' words. That's where the rubber hits the road. It's practical stuff like that. Now, don't mishear that. The Bible never says you can't go and enjoy God's good creation. It encourages us to do that, but it also says you need to be with your fellow believers listening to Jesus' words. Or distracted by listening to other voices. Or distracted by social media. I think that's real. And as Christians, we've got to be wise and balanced and sensible with that. It's a classic image of the modern human being walking along the road or cycling or pushing a pram with a phone. It's kind of dangerous. And we all do it. And there's nothing wrong with it. But let's just be careful that we're not distracted with so many noises that we don't hear Jesus. None of these things are wrong. But they are wrong if they stop us listening to Jesus. That I'm hardly ever there on a Sunday that I can't go to my small group because I will do this, but I can't do that. Don't mishear this. There are times when I want to say to people, you shouldn't be going to your small group tonight because you're too exhausted. That's just wise. But if I can't go to my small group to listen to Jesus, but I can always do that because I want to do it, something else, that's not right. or never having time alone with God. But the focus in the text is being distracted by much serving. Now, serving as a Christian, whether in your local church or your CU, or serving in other ways as a Christian is not wrong. Serving is good. Serving is commended all the time in Scripture. The problem is not serving, it's much serving, or too much serving, such that it distracts us from listening to Jesus' teaching. How can that happen in a church? Here are some ways. Those of us who lead the church as elders are so busy with so many things that we never listen to Jesus' teaching. That's so easy. Those of us who teach, we never listen. That's why it's good to have Jay and Roger and Johnny and Scott and others. I used to do most of the preaching. Now I get to listen to preaching. That's really healthy. That's why we have more than one leader in our small groups. It's really healthy to listen to Jesus' words. That's why we have, they're called leaders' growth groups. I think that's what they're called, or slobs. Leaders' growth group sounds better. Where the leaders of our groups are led by a leader so that they also can listen to Jesus' words. We can fall into the trap of teaching people to teach without teaching people to listen. Or serving in so many ways that I'm really sitting in a service listening to a sermon, or when I am there, I'm taking, I've done this, taking notes to remind myself all of the things I promised to do. Maybe you've done that too. I might be there, but I'm not actually listening. Or, here's another one, in, in the Christian life we serve to perfection. We just go so far the extra mile that we just haven't got enough time to listen to Jesus. 
This might sound a bit irreverent, but I think the Lord Jesus would have, like, have taken Martha by the scruff of the neck, and she was probably cooking a kind of five-dose dinner that day, and said, look, Martha, I just need a bacon roll, or a bowl of soup, or a baked potato, or something simple. Look, just, just don't make a fuss. Just make that. We'll eat it. We need food, but I want you to listen. I want you to listen. I want you to listen. What happens when we are distracted from listening to Jesus' teaching by much serving? She went up to him, Martha, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. What happens when we are distracted from listening to Jesus by many things? We are out of sorts. Notice she was out of sorts with three things. One, her sister. Second, herself. And third, her Savior. She was grumpy. And she thought that God doesn't care. There's a classic, classic illustration of the anatomy of a Christian serving in a church, serving in a church, beginning to think because they're thinking, well, these people aren't serving. I'm doing everything. God, you just don't care for me. You just don't care. I'm so knackered. I'm so exhausted. You don't care. And you get grumpy with other people because they aren't serving. And you get grumpy with the Lord Jesus. Lord, tell them to serve. Tell them to get their act together. That's exactly how it is. And there are occasions in other parts of Scripture where the Lord Jesus would say, come on, you've all got to serve. You've all got to do your bit so that that person doesn't need. But the truth is that some of us love to be busy with all manner of other things apart from sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his words. Now, here's the classic response at this point. I'm hearing this, but it's not that simple. I'm hearing that. I, I hear you, Jesus, but it's not that simple. It's not the real world. The real world is not like that in the church. You know, buildings, projects, fundraising, committees, committees, committees. Where are they in the Bible? All sorts of stuff, CU stuff, text a toasty, all the things we've got to organize, millions and millions of things. It's not that simple, Jesus. And there we are like the three-year-old child outside this morning when our mummy said to her, did you hear what Robin said this morning? The difference between hearing and listening. Are we listening? Martha, Martha. Robin, Robin, I know you're the minister, but are you listening to what I'm saying? You've got to find time in your week and your rhythm to just sit and listen to Jesus' words. I mean, we do. This past week, uh, something happened, and I didn't have time for it, but it happened. I was privileged, and you are listening, Frank and Louise, this morning, I'm sure, from your home, to have communion with Frank and Louise, who are unable to be at church because Louise is too uh, frail, and their son, Andrew, and a couple of the elders. And we went for communion, I mean, it, and, it, and I had a cycle there, and it was a total it took loads of time, and we spent a long time in the house, and it took a load of time. And, but what did we do? We sat and listened to Jesus. And it was a sweet and a precious and a transforming time. I don't know about you, Frank and Louise, but it was for me. We just sat and listened to Jesus. And we prayed together. And we shared communion together. Now, let me finish with the how how do we sit at Jesus' feet listening to his teaching? On Sundays? 
we make it a priority to be there, and we prepare to listen. We might even read the passage before we come, something like that. In our small groups, we make it a priority to be there, and we prepare to listen. It's not legalism. Don't hear it like that. But sometimes in my life as a Christian, particularly when I was younger, I wish my approach to church was as disciplined as my approach, for example, to sport. You know, just be there. Linking our small groups on Sundays, so we're studying Luke 9 to 19, all of us, all of the time, Sundays and in small groups, just makes it easy for us. If you've missed a few weeks, if you've been away, why don't take time out to catch up with what you've missed? Catch up with a video of a talk or, a, or a, an audio of the talk or catch up with a small group. Ask your small group leader just to help you catch up. On our own each day, a time set apart with God. Somebody after the first service said to me that they've never done that. They've never sort of thought that's part of the rhythm of, of, of church life, and it might be a generational thing. And they made a comment to me, I've never managed to have that daily devotional time because I've always thought that unless you do it for half an hour, it's not worth doing. Two minutes, if that's all you've got, is way, way better than no minutes. And it might well be exactly what Jesus wants of you because he knows you can't give him 30 minutes. Two minutes, reading a verse, praying it in, coming back to it at lunchtime, coming back to it later on in the day. We don't need to read three chapters of the Bible every day. It's not a competition. Just that two minutes. Maybe when you wake up in the morning before you turn on an electronic device. Something like that, practical. Or if you do turn on your electronic device, get one of these apps so that the first thing that comes on your phone is a Bible verse. Don't aim to read three, four chapters a day. That's a great thing to do. Just start where we can. It's a simple lesson. And Jesus says to us all, at some stage in our lives, Martha, Martha, Robin, Robin, come on. I know you're hearing me, but you're not listening. Sit at my feet and let stuff, other stuff, take care of itself. I want to make you so dependent on me, Jesus says. I want you to be reassured and confident and helped and strengthened. Listen to me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these really practical portions of Scripture. And our prayer is that we will heed what Jesus says here and listen to his teaching. And we ask that in his name and for his sake. Amen.